Jared and Daigle with uh, Metal Speak. We're here at uh, Ben Falgus with Goat Whore. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. You guys are on the, the seventh date, I think, of uh, the Summer Slaughter Tour? Yeah, I think it's somewhere in there. Still in the early stages. We're getting varying accounts. <laughs> <laughs> some are saying five, some are saying seven. So. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think after the first two days, you forget how many days you're in. So. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like even though you're in only a few days, it feels like you've been in for like a week and a half, two weeks, you know, yeah. so. How's the, uh, the tour going so far for you guys? Uh, everything's been going really good, man, really good. We've had some, luckily today was pretty good weather-wise, you know, we had some rain come in and clouds covered, you know, that was good. We were in now uh, in Phoenix, it was like 104, 106, something like that. We were all on a, all the vehicles were parked on a, black top out back of the venue and there was not really any space for anyone to go except hang out outside wow. with all the nice. tents and canopies and such yeah. but uh you know overall everything was really good man so hey can you give me a, can you give me a little while i'm just doing it. yeah oh, no problem um but other than that, everything's been good, you know. I guess it's expected. Summer tour, yeah, you know, you're going right. to play some places that are fucking, pretty fucking hot. Yeah, Phoenix. So. You don't call it summer slaughter for anything, you know. <laughs> when are they going to do the winter slaughter tour? <laughs> well, it would be... It would be. <laughs> yeah, we're just doing an interview. Can we just, like, give you, like, five, ten minutes? Did you guys play? Yeah. They already played, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently she's never got the clue. And she's wearing her uh, pajamas out this evening. Gotta love the passerby. Groupies are cool, but what? Really? But no, it's, it's everything's been pretty good, man. Pretty good. I, it's really, you know, this year it's definitely, a, I think, a little bit more extreme or brutal or yeah. kind of layout some of the bands. I mean, it's always been, Summer Slaughter's always been unique, and it's had a lot of unique, different kind of metal, variated bands going on, but this year is definitely a lot of in-your-face fucking heavy shit. You got, you know, Origin, Decrepit Birth, Dying Fetus, Faceless, Morbid Angel, My Heart of Murder, you know, fucking Within the Ruins. I mean, there's some heavy fucking bands out on it, so... Yeah. You guys getting feedback like that from people you're hearing? Because the last, you know, the last two Summer Slaughter's were just kind of like have that progressive yeah, side of things. Well, yeah, you know, we did the Summer Slaughter two years ago. Right. And it was. Uh, it was a little bit more. Between the Buried and Me. And yeah, yeah. And Campbell, it, was, right? it was Cannibal, Between the Buried and Me, Faces. You know, they had a lot of little mixture going on there. Yeah. But this year it seems to be a little bit more in-your-face kind of blunt. Does it seem angle. like people are enjoying it more than two years ago? Well, I mean, I think it, it definitely brings in, you know, it's funny because even though it's, to me, it's all metal, you know, in the end result, but... There's variations in different genres and subgenres that I think you're having more of the the grittier people, the people that are into more like the more extreme or death metal and yeah. things like that coming out to it. You yeah. know, you, you see a little variation in that kind of crowd and the variations within the crowds, you know, that are coming out and everything. So But it's it's been really good, man. All the bands, you know, get along great, which is always a great thing. You know, everybody, you know, mingles well. Is there any bands on the, on the package you hadn't heard before the tour started? Um, well, no, we, we've toured, not really. I was pretty familiar with, oh, uh, actually, uh, no, actually I was pretty familiar with all of them, you know. And, and usually before a tour, if I see bands and I'm not too familiar, I try to get familiarized with it. I go look it up, 
listen to songs, check some things out, you know, and try to see what's going on. So I'm not just going into something where it's just like, oh, well, who the fuck are these guys? What the fuck's going on with this, you know? So right. I have a little little research done prior to actually entering the tour. Yeah, yeah and there were younger bands that just really blowing you away. Yeah, you know, Fallujah's really impressive, man. Yeah, Fallujah's right. like, I mean, we toured with them in the past. They did a tour with us and Hate Eternal back, I think it was around when we did Blood for the Master. That was when they got in that van accident, too, yeah. in uh, in Wyoming, actually. Okay. We were driving, and uh, they were actually ahead of us a bit, and the guy called me, and then we approached them, and they were in the middle of the, in the, in the middle section, the medium, and they had flipped and everything. I've been there. I've done that. I know what it's fucking like. It's not a fucking cool thing, but luckily, you know, nobody got injured bad, and they made it out, and now they're fucking out kicking ass, you know. They yeah. they definitely that their latest record they put out is pretty fucking ruthless, you know. And they yeah. Yeah. and they step up to the plate and then, and then they pull it off live too, right. you know. They're definitely not going in the studio using the whole digital process and trying to fucking you know yeah. cover up mistakes. They're definitely bringing the whole thing live yeah. as well. So yeah. all right, so enough about the other bands. You just had a new <laughs> album drop, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, the, the thing is ferocious. Kicks thanks, thanks. Yeah, we, we put a lot of effort into that in so many different ways, you know, writing and time spent on it and in the studio doing it. You know, we did it on two-inch analog, which is a kind of an obsolete thing nowadays. A lot of people don't use. But we just wanted to go in and kind of confront that and get that sound. There's something about the sound of the two-inch and we wanted to kind of bring that out to what we do. A little more raw and organic. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... and. You know, as, as a band, and a live setting is always intense. You know, you're always trying to capture that. And I don't, you know, you can get as close as you want, but I don't think you'll ever be able to capture the live experience. It's just a thing you have to go. All we can do yeah. is present what we can do on a CD, and then the next part is listen to the songs and come out and witness the live setting. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of goes in. It's, a, it's almost like a little, it's like, like, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> you have the whole situation laid out. Yeah. Besides the recording technique, was there anything differently you did with approaching the writing on the album? Or no, I mean we don't. You know, we've never done anything really drastic in our writing structure or anything. We we keep things. You know, we the, the crazy thing too is we don't throw away anything from the past. You know, like like Sammy could have all these riffs, and we have riffs that date all the way back from the first record we ever did, the Eclipse of Ages into Black. If a riff doesn't work somewhere, we don't just completely get rid of it, we just catalog it. And then later on when we're writing stuff, it might pop up. So they like they could have a song on a new record. I mean I've lost track of all the riffs because there's so fucking many of them piled right. up. That you know we could be writing a new song but somewhere along the line we didn't find a, a riff that fit in with these other ones and we pulled something out from way back when. So, you know, when people say, you know, sometimes your material doesn't sound like, you know, you've changed much, because we're still using parts that are dated, you know, we're still using elements that, you know, were ours way back in the day, and we're not getting rid of them. We, yeah. we, we kind of keep them around, we keep everything there to kind of keep that element going. You know? But we don't do anything really drastic, you know, we have, there's different, every time we write a song, it's a different kind of thing, and either it unfolds that day and everything works out, where it takes two weeks and we piece it together and you know tear it apart and restructure it and stuff like that. So it's it's still the same thing. I think if anything, we're maturing more as a man. 
we're getting better as musicians, you know, and, and we're still immature in some ways as well. But overall, I think it's just the natural progression and evolution of going more as it keeps moving along. Yeah, so when you guys are like, you know, going back to old riffs and kind of working with everything, and what? How do you know? How do you get to that aha moment? Yes, this is it. This is it's a it's a feeling. You know, it's a feeling like like you ever listen to a record and there's a song and at that moment you just like you get goosebumps and you like you want to like bang your head up like holy shit yeah yeah or you're in a car and all of a sudden you step on the pedal a little yeah. more because it gives you that feeling <laughs> you know it's like I don't it's a chemistry too I think you know when people work together you know like yeah. when you go through and you, you have different albums that you like and, they, and like. You'll be like, oh, Metallica, Rado Light, they'll never do something like that again. No, there was a chemistry at that time when they did that record. There was a chemistry when they did Master of Puppets, you know. There was a chemistry when Slayer did Rain and Blood, when they did Haunting the Chapel. No, you can't duplicate that. That's yeah. a certain point in time and things like that. It's yeah. the same thing with us. It's a chemistry on how it all works out and how everything feels. It's like when we have the song together and we got these parts and then there's this one little element. And it's like every time you play it through, you get to that little element that kind of like... That cringe, yeah. like, yeah. that's not fitting right. There's something like that. And then you pull that out, and then you do find the piece, and it, it goes right in like a perfect puzzle. You know, like, you're digging through this big puzzle, all these pieces, and you need this one little piece, and you finally find it, and you slide it in there. And then you're playing through it, and you're like, yeah, you can feel it. It's almost like weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, that's the element of it. But, I mean, we have been, been known at times the way we worked on a song fully all the way through. And then we were like, all right, well, let's sleep on this. And next day, come back and play it through and be like, <laughs> tear it apart. It'll yeah. it'll end up get torn apart and make three different songs. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's just it's the moment. It's the feeling. It's the chemistry at those certain points of times on how it all falls into place. Do you guys like map it out physically, or do you, do you like? Like on a whiteboard or something? <laughs> riff A, Riff B. <laughs> no, I well, okay. We used to before we finally got caught up with the 21st century. We used to have a jam box. And all the wrists were on tapes. And we used to call it Go Fishing. Because we'd oh. sit there and we'd play the tape, and the riffs would just, it would just play through all these riffs, and it's like you were fishing for riffs. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> so oh, let's go fishing for riffs. And then we'd sit in the room, and we'd start putting them together. Maybe start in the middle, and build out from there, or start at the end, or start at the beginning, and build out from there. And be like, oh, well, this riff, and then this riff, yeah, and then this riff. And then Zach would throw beats over it and everything. But now, you know, with technology being way better, we've kind of got like a, sort of like a Pro Tools program, and we've dropped all the guitar riffs, even the past ones, we went through the tapes, and we sat in the room, and we was just like, all right, just play it, just keep it down, keep it, put it in, put this one in, put this one in. And now we sit, and we can lay them out on yeah. the whole little grid, and then Zach can like put some little, little program drum thing to get an idea. Right. And then once the little skeleton's made, it's like, oh, okay, now let's sit down and run through it real time. And then you run through it real time, and then you can get the feeling for it. Yeah. And be like, oh, no. Okay, let's go back in there. Let's pull this one out and stick this one back in. So it's the same element. I think it just works a little quicker now. Quicker, because it's yeah. not like you're just sitting in the room, and then you're playing the riff on the little jam box, and you're like, all right. And he gets behind the kit. You play through that part. Connect the other part to it. All right, now let's listen to these riffs again. And then you listen to some more riffs on the thing. And they're like, oh, yeah, these sound good. Let's do that. So now you're actually sitting there and you can play some all and be like, okay, that sounds cool. Now let's just play through it and see how it sounds. All right, that doesn't sound good. Let's pull them all apart again. So, yeah. it's, you know, we've, we've kind of stepped into the 21st century. Yeah. Things. You said it's quicker. Do you, do you feel like it's, do you feel like 
that's where you're going to keep going? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, it's just, it's better. And I think Sammy, it's like, he got way more interested in it at the point where he could sit at home and kind of go through it and put these, like, little basic drum things to it. And then he can sell, because, like, Zach lives in Phoenix, okay? And then me and Sammy live in New Orleans, and James lives in Florida. And so sometimes, you know, we're not around, but Sammy might have some ideas. So he can just do that real quick, and he can send a file to all of us. Yeah. And then Zach will be like, oh, okay, I have this other drum idea that we can do it, because it's just a little skeleton kind of thing. And then when everybody finally comes in, we have, like, a basic idea, and we can just get going on it. So you can kind of throw the ideas back and forth via the Internet now. Right, yeah. And not just wait, like, oh, well, he's not coming back in for another month, and then, you know, let's pile on a bunch of shit and see what we can come up with when he comes in. So yeah. now we can get a little more ahead of things and be on it. It's probably funny because the other bands are probably like, we've been doing this shit for a while, and we're just like, yeah, we're new to this shit. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask, so, like, if you could look into the future, I mean, if you think about it, like, so, you know, the way you used to do it, kind of the way you're doing it now because of technology, like, what do you think it's going to be like in 20 years? Like, how, how can it get, like, more uh, advanced or convenient or quicker? Hell, I don't know. I know, right? <laughs> what, a little robot does it all for you? I mean, that's... Maybe you could, like, think it. Right, it's got to be something. Know, it's got to be okay, something you plug think, into your head. and just. kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, that'd be pretty crazy too. But I think I think if you start making it quicker, you start losing the feeling for it, you know. So yeah, you start using everything's just like all right, da 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 da. It's it becomes, automatic, right? Yeah, it becomes almost like an assembly line type thing. Yeah, and you don't want to lose that, you know. I mean, yes, it is helping us do things quicker, but we're still pickier about everything, you know, because we're still taking the element of it. It's just laying it out better instead of sitting there in a room for four hours with three riffs completed. Where you could be in there for four hours and have almost a whole song fully complete, yeah. you know, because you're like, oh, okay, because now we can we can sit here real quick and throw these riffs into place and see how everything sounds real quick, and then, you know, they go, okay, well, let's just play through it now, okay. Yeah. Where before it was like, play through this part four times, okay. Now the next part, play through it three times, okay. Now connect those two, all right, all right. Now let's try this again and let's add this other part that we're gonna play four more times, you know. So, right. But, but, yeah, I think if you get to the whole assembly line thing, then you start losing that feeling and that chemistry for it, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, possibilities are endless of how it's going to do, you know. I mean, everything's so digital nowadays that, you know, I mean, yeah. bands are recording that way, and it's nothing against it because it is cheaper and it's more time efficient and budgets aren't there as much as they used to be. So, you know, it's, it's just like a given. It's, it's there, yeah. you know, but... Songwriting-wise, you kind of feel like this is the sweet spot. Yeah, this is the sweet spot. We need us, you know, we need to stick with this. Yeah, you know, right it on. works good. And it works good too. That members that live out of the area, yeah. So you can kind of throw things around and have the ideas. So when people do come in and meet, it's not just like starting at this spot where, all right, here's this riff, play it yeah. four times. Yeah, all right, head start whereas you're like you're ahead on it. Yeah. So it's like okay, well we kind of know where this kind of little idea is going. Let's sit down and solidify the whole idea. It's all, it varies a lot. I mean, I read a lot of different things, uh, you know, ranging from occult type stuff, dark arts, to just even basic history formatted stuff, you know, dealing with religions and different cultures and their ideas. Like, for instance, with Blood for the Master, I was really, uh, like, intrigued by, like, death. The whole idea of death being worship. Like, if you think think of, like, South America, like, with Santa Muerte, where there's, like, 
it's a whole regiment of people that believe death is the higher power. There is no higher being than death. Death has the power to reap gods. So, but then it, when you delved into it even further, you found that there were other like cults and stuff that believed in death, but there was like ones that had their leftist ways and ones that had their rightist ways. So there were so many variations, just like within organized religion, you know, there was all these, you know, you have Protestants, you have Catholics, you have Christians, you know, you have these variations and they all have their own little structures within it. And it's the same thing with that, with the whole thing with death. There was all these different ones and there's different variations within it, which was unique. And I got intrigued with it because when I got in an accident like years back, you know, I was in a wheelchair or whatever for like a year. I went through all these surgeries. But I guess I became closer to, you know, to the actual, you know, acceptance of death. Where a lot of people, a lot of people fear it. It's just a given. People have this thing of like, I don't know whether it's they're scared of what's going to be in the afterlife or they're afraid they're not going to complete everything they want to do in this life. But death can strike at any time. So I guess you have to come to terms to be like, at any given day it can happen, so I'm pretty accepting of it, you know, I mean, anything's possible. So, you know, I delved into that with that, and then like on the new record, there was a bunch of different things, like, uh, like, like, like Schadenfreude, okay? It's a, it's a German term, and it may, basically means up joy. Yeah, it's a person who, you know, gets joy out of other people's downfalls or things like that. But, um, you know, and, and it, it plays very various roles. You know, it's, it's something as minor as like a kid standing on a corner and there's a kid coming on a bike and the kid falls in the bike and the kid on the corner is laughing at him, you know. Or then it goes to something major, someone that gets complete pleasure and somebody getting into an accident and being brutally fucking injured, you know. Or, you know, this. so Sammy had brought it up and then I just, I built a song around it, you know, using different elements and different approaches about it. Like almost building a block of like an entity that represented that term and its forcefulness into like driving a person into that kind of rain. And then um, like uh, cold earth consumed in dying flesh. We, you know, we have, we have song titles for all the songs that are like working titles when we're putting everything together. And then sometimes I'll take this, that and I'll, I'll build off of that like with Blood for the Master and Deathless Tradition, it was originally called Rapture. And I remember we were writing it. Remember they had that religious fucking fanatic and he was saying about the rapture coming and everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we had written that song around that time when it was supposed to happen, which mm -hmm. never happened, you know. So they label we label it as rapture. So I took it and then I built a song structure revolving around that idea and then I just renamed it in that sense. And like Fuck My Satan, that actually was called Fuck My Satan as a working title and I just decided to keep it yeah. as that and then I built some like there was some black mass like old black mass books we were reading and things like that and I kind of built in those ideas into it and give it more like a like a traditional base kind of evil edge and, but you know there's you know and, and, uh, so with Cold Earth Consume the Dying Flesh Sammy was like I want to uh, this is like uh, like after Armageddon what what is after Armageddon you know after the smoke settles and everything so I was like, all right, so that's what I built with Cold Earth Consuming the Dying Flesh. So there's just all these little different elements here and there, and they kind of drive that. And, I, and the lyrics are the same way as, like, with the riffs and everything, too. I have years and years of things that I've written down and jotted down, typed in, whatever, wrote on a fucking little paper at a bar one night, stuck it in my pocket, came home, jotted down. And I just, I keep them, and I put them in wherever I feel that they could fit, you know. So it could have words I wrote years back 
but they just somehow fall into place with a song. And then some songs are just right there from scratch, written all fresh. So there's a lot of variation in that too, depending on the feeling, depending on how things are going with the song, and the approaches with it, and everything like that. So kind of going back to the, you know, the dark arts, the occult, and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you guys deploy a lot of, uh, you know, occult and satanic imagery, and a lot of, you know, references to Satan and stuff like that. Which it's been in metal for years and years and years. But um, I mean, why do you why do you think that uh, is so? I think, you know, to me, because I'm not, I, I don't, I definitely, Sammy is more into the satanic edge within our stuff. I'm, I've always been intrigued by like the dark arts and things like that, like the dark values of life, you know, even throughout history, when you look up things, the things you weren't told when you went to school, you know, it's unique, all these stories that you start to read about when you're older. And you can actually delve into different things. And I've always been intrigued by that kind of stuff. I don't know, it was just something. You know, it's just like when you watch Star Wars, everybody likes Darth Vader, but why? He's supposed to be the villain. Right. You know? Everybody's always about the villain in yeah. things. Because somewhere within that, too, the villain the villain is also kind of like an anti-hero in a way. Even though as he'll always fail or he's always pushed to the bottom of things, he'll persevere and work as hard as possible to come to the top even though you'll always fail for some reason and it's the same thing with like the whole look of like lucifer and you know being cast from heaven into hell and then you know he wants to come out and get revenge and have this rebellion against god when supposedly god is the almighty and he could smite satan at any given point but you know it's just like like in, like milton's paradise lost Satan is definitely like the anti-hero in that because he struggles and constantly. And I think that's the idea with what Satanism is, is the rebellion, the symbolic structure behind it is the rebellion and, the, you know, that, that whole essence. I mean, all of this music is definitely rebellious as hell. It's, you know, it's definitely different than the norm. And I think it all falls hand in hand. So in, in a sense, you have that mixture of that. And then, you know, you have some bands that incorporate more of the gore element, more of the horror kind of idea behind things and then some bands even you know like the faceless they delve deeper into the psyche with more like space you know orientated stuff which is unique as well they've got a lot of different variations you can, the approaches are far and wide I mean you have Nile who you know took the whole Egyptian idea and kind of stuck it in there so you have different aspects in it but yeah it's been deep rooted in metal for the longest time you know from Judas Priest to Black Sabbath to Iron Maiden to you know, Dio, on and on and on it goes, and I just think it's that it's that rebellious thing that, that urge to, you are basically the minority and you're going to work as hard as you can to fight to the top, to persevere over everything and become, you know this. and it's a freedom element too you know, it's, it's funny because everyone, even people you know, on the street, I would, you know talk shit, you know, about Satanism or whatever but they want the same shit they want the freedom and the idea that the symbolic Satanism structure allows. What you want to do, your own rules, your own laws, that's the whole thing with it. So it's kind of it's kind of like a, a weird irony when you see people talk down on it and it's just like, well, do you know the whole structure of the system or you just know a story and you put that out there? And it's also a story created by man where it's almost like Satan gets a bad rap because man has labeled him and demons as problems that man has his problems to control his own vices and things like that. So it's, 
it's a, it's a weird thing if you look at it in so many different ways. Yeah. You see, I like I like more of the deep edge of things. You know, I like metal that has knowledge within it. Because a lot of people look at metal outside of metal and they think we're a bunch of stupid idiots headbanging, doing dumb shit and whatever. But I think there's much more knowledge and intelligence in metal than people really perceive. And I think bands should represent that more and you know, explain the things and let people understand their is, you know. And then when people too they're like, Well why are you doing this? Well why does somebody make a horror movie? Do you think the fucking director goes out and does the same shit that went on in his horror movie? No. It's an idea, it's an imagination, and he lays it out, and he puts it out there, because people have the ability to think beyond what is normal. Mm -hmm. So that's what the whole idea is, is to go beyond that, go beyond, out of the square, out of this little box that everybody seems to be so comfortable in. So what's your reaction when you see bands like... Uh You mean a Christian metal band? Yeah, a Christian metal band. <laughs> <laughs> you try to say, you know, kind of like S.L.A. Dying, or Demon yeah, Hunter, yeah, or, or, you know, like, the big death for one, the fuck, uh, White Chapel? No, 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 no. I'm I not can small. see the, I can see the goddamn, ah, God damn it. I can see the fucking album cover, uh, <laughs> He's gonna be up all night. Like, yeah, we're you stuck. Damn it, man. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Okay, so like, there's a label, Solid State. Oh, Living Sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, things like that. And those bands. You know what? I don't. I definitely don't have any. There's a lot of early uh, Living Sacrifice records I really enjoy. You know, I think too, though, when you listen to, to these things, they have. You know, some of these bands, even even though they are whatever Christian based, whatever, they still have really like blunted hate for lyrics. You know, because it, within metal, it's always like a, a venting. You're venting something out, you know? And I think no matter whether you're Christian or you're satanic, hatred one's the same. It's not discriminatory in that fashion. So, you know, they're going to represent that in what they do. So, you know, they're just as equally as hateful as a satanic man, if you were to look at it and dig deep enough into it. So, cause it's just how their approach is and how they view it. So, like, so since you brought up the White Chapel, <laughs> the shirt. <laughs> yeah, Geraldine was giving me giving me shit because I, you know, we were up here for a White Chapel show a couple months ago, and uh, she got the shirt. You know, this is less White Chapel, more Haunted Chapel. Have you guys been label mates? Has there been any talk back and forth between the two camps or anything? No, I mean I don't. Exist, we we did it. It was just a little joke. Like when we were doing the rec the new record, we did this. We were we were at the mixing point and. They had, we were listening to the drums, we were listening to the drums, and we were like, I think the new White Chapel had just been like, like they put a song out or something, and then we were listening to stuff, and we were just like, we were doing something with the drums, and we wanted the drums to have more of a natural approach to them, and it's, you know, I, I think it was our manager or somebody was sitting there, and he was just like, somebody just said, no, listen, we need less White Chapel and more Haunting the Chapel, meaning the drum wise. And then we're like, oh, that sounds good. Let's put that on a shirt. <laughs> and so we just, you know, stuck it on a shirt, whatever. I heard that, you know, some of the guys weren't happy with it, but whatever. It's, it's metal. We're having a good time. So. Yeah. What do they have to worry about? They sold 16,000 units in their first week. <laughs> we sold far less than that. <laughs> so, 
So yes, we need. A, we were trying to make a little money off of that sixteen thousand that they see. Yeah, right. Bump yourself up in the Google search a little bit. Yeah, right. So it's just that. And plus, it represents three metal blade lines. You got no white gel when you have slayer. There you go. Yeah. Old old metal blade. Yeah. They were a metal blade back in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you have going the rest of the year? Uh, let's see. Okay, so we do this. After this ends, we're going to do barbecue in honor of Mr. Dave Bronte in Richmond. And then we got uh, five shows we're going to do with Samhain. We have two in September in L.A. and San Francisco. And then we have three on the East Coast in um, New York, Philadelphia, and D.C. Like around Halloween. Samhain. That's going to be interesting. And then we're going to do, uh, I think we're going to do some kind of festing in Mexico City and a brewery festing up in Minneapolis, I'm pretty sure. And then we're going to Europe with Dying Fetus, Malevolence, and Fallujah from November 8th to like December 20th. And then next year, uh, it's kind of up in the air, but I'm sure things will fall into place. So we've got a pretty busy schedule. I mean, a new record comes out. After that happens, it's just like, go. Everything's like, get going. Yeah. Cool. We've taken up a lot of your time. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask about crazy fans. There's this crazy blonde chick in there with, like, dude, I got Goat Horse autographs on my arm. I'm going to get him tattooed and shit. Uh, yeah, I'm just giving her shit. I, t- I told her I was going to give her shit. We know generally. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, what, you know, like, what's. What do, you, what do you think about that? Like fans that go like that far and just like so into it. Like I want the band's autographs well, I mean, tattooed. That's what they are. I mean, I've seen people have Kiss tattoos like with their autographs and stuff. I mean, I'm not saying we're Kiss. I wouldn't want to piss off Mr. Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, you got Disappointing to pay him. According to him, nobody will ever be like Kiss. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I've seen. You know, I, I'm, there's a guy I know. He has like a, a he had a t- Ace Frehley tattoo, and he met him, and he got him signed, and then he got the signature signed. So. I guess if you're, you know, that much into it, you yeah. know, I mean, I personally probably wouldn't do that. I mean, I like Rob Alford a lot, but I don't think I'd get his signature tattooed yeah. on me. But, you know, there's people that are really into it, and, they, and I appreciate the fact that they enjoy what we do yeah. to that much of a level that they're willing to, you know, make that kind of sacrifice. If there's one band that Gerilyn should get tattoos of, it's you guys. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, like, sick of her following you like that? <laughs> no, no. Just, you know what? She's definitely not, like, one of those crazy, you know, like, sometimes you get those crazy people yeah. who are just always, like, just walk right there. She just, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, right she's, in she's in this our space. She's really nice, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, she popped up in Amarillo when we played Amarillo, but, yeah. you know, that's no big deal. It's not like she popped up. She, she I think she talks to Zach. Facebook, you know, so he was like, "Yeah, Geraldine's coming to see it." You know, I mean, she's she's a proper fan. She's yeah. polite and everything, and she don't get out of fucking control. So it's yeah. all good. Oh yeah. Now she got out of control. Yeah, we have to cut her You're gonna have to rip that off and give it back. No? Yeah. Hey, look, we're gonna just skin this real quick. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, like, thank you for the time. Man. No problem. Really thank you. It. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Man.